Howdy guys! As always, I'm your host, Amelia, and as always, I'm sad for reasons that are truly unclear to me as I'm recording on a fairly quiet Sunday. They're just a giant group of dogs that are going at it in my building's courtyard. I'm gonna do my best to edit that out post-production, but if you hear a lot of background noise, it's not me. It's a bunch of excitable puppies, so apologies in advance for that, or maybe not apologies if you're a really huge fan of dogs. Anyways, today's study guide subject is going to be someone who had yet another terrible marriage. This time it's going to be Prince Rudolf of Austria, who was the son of last week's study guide subject, Empress Sisi of Austria. I want to start by giving a quick content warning. This episode is going to talk about suicide at the end. Prince Rudolf almost certainly did kill himself, so if that is something that is triggering for you, I would suggest ending this podcast once I start talking about the events of January 1889, just so you don't have to deal with that. But if that's not triggering, listen to the entire episode, because as it turns out, Prince Rudolf's study guide has a lot, including a possible secret marriage, a love of birds, and a truly tragic ending. Let's begin. Prince Rudolf of Austria was born August 21st, 1858, in Schloss Luxembourg, outside of Vienna in Austria. His birth name was Rudolf Franz Karl Joseph, the Crown Prince of Austria, Hungary, Bohemia, and Croatia, but obviously that is a massive mouthful, so I'm just going to call him what everyone else called him, which was simply Rudolf. Rudolf was the only son of Franz Joseph II, the Austro-Hungarian Emperor, and his wife, Elizabeth, aka Cece of Austria. As a result of this, Rudolf was next in line for the Austro-Hungarian throne. He had three sisters, Sophie, who was older than him and who had died before he was even born, Gisela, who was also older than him but was alive, and lastly, Marie Valerie, who was born a decade after him. By the time Rudolf was born, the relationship between his parents was starting to fall apart. Franz Joseph had probably infected Cece with some sort of venereal disease, either right before or very soon after Rudolf's birth. Rudolf grew up at the Austrian court. Initially, his grandmother, Sophia of Austria, who was a force to be reckoned with in her own right, said that she was going to be in charge of raising the heir to the throne and selecting all of his tutors and governesses. After all, that is what she had done with all of Franz Joseph's other children. She started out by isolating Rudolf from Sisi, which was part from the which was par for the course. For example, she wouldn't even allow Cece to breastfeed Rudolf. However, Franz Joseph quickly intervened because Rudolf was his only son after all, and Franz Joseph wanted to determine how his son would be raised. When Rudolf was six years old, he selected a military tutor, Count Leopold Grundekort, to educate Rudolf and turn him into the perfect soldier and future leader of the empire. 
As it turned out, Count Leopold's methods of educating Rudolf were questionable and involved shooting pistols by Rudolf's head in order to make him brave and literally locking him in cages and throwing wild animals at him if the young Rudolf ever cried. Eventually, Rudolf's mother, Cece, intervened. Apparently, one winter day, she saw Count Leopold forcing Rudolf to march through the snow in not proper winter clothes and was not so pleased about this, so she convinced Franz Joseph to remove Count Leopold as Rudolf's tutor, which was a huge deal because previously Cece had gotten no input over how her children were raised. Because Cece had saved young Rudolf from his, frankly, abusive tutor, Rudolf would always be emotionally very close with his mother and would favor her over his father, even though Rudolf was not Cece's favorite child. Her favorite child instead was her youngest child, her daughter, Marie Valerie. After Cece's intervention, Rudolf was mostly going to be educated by two men, Joseph Latour von Thurnberg and Ferdinand von Hochstetter, both of whom were actually nice to Rudolf and, instead of focusing just on military matters, actually focused on, you know, educating the kid. Pretty soon, his education shifted mostly to academic stuff, although, as it turned out, Rudolf wasn't necessarily the best student. Yes, he was really smart. He especially loved science and was fascinated with anything to do with birds, but as it turned out, he wasn't very focused and he had a wee habit of procrastinating, but then again, what teenager doesn't? Both von Thurnberg and von Hochstetter really pushed Rudolf to embrace his love of science particularly his love of birds, and when he was 20, helped him get work with a leading Austrian zoologist cataloging the bird life along the Danube River. As a result of this job, Rudolf ended up publishing a book when he was 20 about the experience. Around the same time, in 1877, Rudolf went on his first official state trip to England with his mother. On this trip, Rudolf apparently really charmed Queen Victoria, which was quite the task if you were a Habsburg, because Queen Victoria was not a fan of Central Europeans. Despite his charming diplomatic talents, Rudolf also caused a bit of a social stir when he was over in England because of the sheer number of women he slept with. As it turned out, young Rudolf loved sex. According to some sources, by the time he was in his mid-teens, Franz Joseph arranged for Rudolf to lose his virginity to a suitable woman in the Habsburg court, which is a level of father-son intimacy, which frankly makes me very uncomfortable, but as soon as Rudolf had sex for the first time, he really didn't stop. Also, while Rudolf was off in England with its liberal freedom of the press laws, he also published a political essay promoting liberalism, which kind of pissed his father off. When he came back 
from England in 1878, Rudolf was 20 years old. He had finished off his formal education, and he had officially come of age. Since he was now of age and theoretically was an adult, although mentally and emotionally he was still quite stunted due to the abuse he had suffered at the hands of his first tutor, he began getting an annual stipend from his father. He received about $300,000 in 2020 money, which obviously is not a small amount, but was way less than his mother got for her various international trips, and was actually less than many of his cousins received. For example, most of his cousins, who were only archdukes, were given entire palaces, whereas Rudolf only got this stipend and a shared apartment in Vienna. I'm not really sure why Franz Joseph didn't give Rudolf as much as he gave other members of the family, but he didn't. Rudolf also was soon sent to Prague to serve in a military regiment because that's part of the training that you go through when you're the son of the emperor. Unsurprisingly, Rudolf didn't love his time in the military. He felt like all the military rules and regulations were kind of stupid and that he didn't actually deserve all the various ranks that he was being given. Despite that, by the time he was 30, he was made a general infantry inspector because, once again, that's what happens when your father is the emperor. Soon after Rudolf had entered the Austrian military, the big focus of his life turned to who the hell he was going to marry. After all, he was the heir to the empire, so one of his big jobs was to settle down and have him and his wife pop out a few kids, specifically a few sons, because in Austria, women couldn't inherit. By the time he was 20, Rudolf had already gotten a reputation for being a bit of a playboy. Evidence part one, his time in England. Evidence part two, the fact that he kept hitting on his uncle, Karl Ludwig's third wife, Maria Theresa, which kind of ruined the marriage between Karl Ludwig and Maria Theresa. Great job, Rudolf. In 1880, the Austrian and Belgian governments, which by now are allies, arranged a marriage between Rudolf and the daughter of Leopold II, Stephanie of Belgium. Rudolf's mother, Cece of Austria, who, remember, Rudolf really cared about, was not a fan of the proposed marriage. She felt like Rudolf could do way better when choosing a future wife. After all, Belgium, when it came to being a country, was super young. It had only been made a country in 1830, whereas the Austrian Empire was way more established. She also felt like Stephanie was way too young to get married. Stephanie wasn't even 18 years old, and Cece felt like having such a young wife would only cause trouble, which Cece knew way too well because she had only been 15 when she had gotten engaged to Franz Joseph, and from last week's study guide, we all know how well that had worked out. Oh, 
And on top of that, the last time Belgium and Austria had teamed up in the whole marriage department had been the marriage of Maximilian of Austria and Carlotta of Belgium, which had gone terribly and had ended in the execution of Maximilian, the insanity of Carlotta, and a whole mess of a war in Mexico. If you want more details on that, you can listen to episode 34. But despite all the concerns over the possible engagement, Rudolf proposed to Stephanie in March 1880. As soon as the proposal had gone through, Stephanie was sent to Vienna to start learning the various etiquette she'd have to memorize in order to be the wife of the heir to the throne. There was just one tiny little problem. Stephanie was so young at this point that she hadn't actually gone through puberty, which is an issue if your one job as a wife is to give birth to heirs. So she had to be sent back to Belgium. The marriage had to temporarily be postponed until Stephanie, you know, actually went through puberty and was able to, you know, get pregnant. Awkward. While all this was going on, Rudolf may or may not have secretly gotten married to one of his cousins, Maria Antonia of Tuscany, because he got her pregnant. But Papa Franz Joseph had the marriage neatly annulled, and it ended up not mattering all that much because Maria Antonia had consumption and died soon after. I wasn't able to totally verify whether or not the secret marriage ever happened. Some sources say yes. Some sources say no, it didn't. It's just a rumor. Either way, it, it further proves that Rudolf's reputation by the time he married Stephanie wasn't exactly great. Either way, Rudolf and Stephanie ended up getting married in Vienna on May 10th, 1881. At the time, Rudolf was 22 and Stephanie was 17 and had just finally hit puberty, which isn't weird and awkward at all. Despite Rudolf's bad reputation and Stephanie's relative naivety, the marriage between the two did actually start out pretty good. As it turned out, Rudolf and Stephanie did have similar interests. They both loved going hunting together, although neither were particularly good horseback riders. For example, Cece of Austria refused to go riding with either of them because neither could keep up with her. Also, as it turned out, Stephanie was actually interested in chatting politics and government with Rudolf, which was good because Rudolf was starting to get very interested in political reform. The only downside was it was unclear if either one was attracted to the other. That didn't matter though because in 1883 they did manage to have a child, a daughter named Elizabeth. Once Elizabeth was born though, the relationship between Rudolf and Stephanie started to fall apart. Much like his father had done to Cece, Rudolf probably gave Stephanie a venereal disease that he had picked up from one of his affairs, which made her infertile, which was a serious issue because the Habsburgs needed heirs. Yes, Rudolf had a child, but this child was a daughter, 
and under the Habsburg system, only men could inherit. Beyond his daughter Elizabeth, Rudolf did have at least one illegitimate child and may have had as many as 30 illegitimate children, but none of them were able to inherit the throne. Pretty soon after the birth of his daughter Elizabeth, both Rudolf and Stephanie were having more than their fair share of affairs. Rudolf ended up having a whole system that he would use to keep track of all of his affairs. He would literally write them down in a notebook with color-coded ink, and he would also use this system to keep track of what gifts he was going to give the women at the end of the relationship, which depended on their rank, of course, because one has to follow etiquette when cheating on one's wife. However, despite the mutual infidelity, Stephanie and Rudolf never pursued an annulment, probably because Franz Joseph wouldn't allow them to, and both were fine with the other partner cheating, and they both did genuinely love their daughter, and at that point pursuing an annulment would have just caused an undue amount of mess. As Rudolf started to get older, he and his father began to drift apart. The, no the two had never been particularly close, and this just started escalating as Rudolf began to develop his own political identity. As a child, Rudolf had been educated in a more enlightened mode. His tutors had really pushed him to read Voltaire, Diderot, other French Enlightenment thinkers, and as a result, Rudolf was generally more pro-French and wanted to push Austria into a more liberal and modern direction, whereas Franz Joseph was not so much a fan of that idea. Rudolf also wanted to grant the Hungarian and Czechoslovakian sections of the empire more autonomy and possibly even more independence, as well as recognizing that the Balkan sections of the empire maybe had a right to do their own thing every so often. He also wanted to push for the reform of the Austrian Catholic Church and reform the government so that the middle class would have more of a say, as well as getting rid of a lot of the traditional noble estates. Basically, he wanted to turn Austria into an empire that looked a little bit more like the French Empire in the 1860s. As a result of all of Rudolf's more liberal ideas, he ended up becoming a contributing writer for the liberal Austrian newspaper Newsweiner Talkblatt, which I probably mispronounced, and I'm very sorry for that. Franz Joseph hated all of these liberal ideas, and as a result, he really sidelined Rudolf and wouldn't really grant him any political power or allow him to do anything serious in the military. Because, as it turned out, Rudolf also had a bunch of ideas for reforming the Austrian military, which had suffered quite a few defeats at the hands of the Prussian military recently. Some of Rudolf's ideas for military reform included, randomly enough, creating a bicycle corps. All of the sidelining really frustrated Rudolf, especially because Franz Joseph was in pretty excellent health despite his age, so it was unlikely that Rudolf would get a chance to rule on his own any time in the near future. Basically, the 
only thing that Franz Josef and Rudolf managed to agree on was Rudolf's willingness to take on a project to publish a definitive encyclopedia on the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Rudolf was so excited about this project that he would end up writing several articles for it, and it ended up being such a huge project that the final version wasn't even published until 1902. While Rudolf and his father absolutely hated each other, as it turned out, his wife and Franz Joseph had a much better working relationship. Shocking. Stephanie was more than willing to take part in the various state events, which neither Rudolf nor Cece had been willing to do, so she ended up becoming Franz Joseph's ceremonial right-hand woman. When the news that Stephanie was pregnant came out, Franz Joseph was super excited, and possibly was even more excited about it than Rudolf himself. And he was fairly nice to Stephanie when the resulting child was a girl. In the midst of all this family tension, in 1887, Rudolf decided to buy himself a little hunting lodge from a group of monks, because that's a thing that members of royal families would do, I guess, in the town of Meierling in northeast Austria. Very quickly, this hunting lodge became Rudolf's spot to relax and get away from the ever-growing family tensions. The next year, Rudolf publicly got a new mistress, a young noblewoman, the Baroness Mary Vestera, who was considered to be amazingly beautiful. From the get-go, however, the relationship was fairly one-sided. Mary was way more into Rudolf than he was into her. She made it clear that she would throw her entire life away to be with him forever, whereas Rudolf was a little bit more ambivalent about the whole thing. After all, as we've seen, he wasn't necessarily a guy who was going to be tied down. Rudolf and Mary were extremely public, with their relationship, and Stephanie seemed to be fairly ambivalent about all of this, except for the times when Mary would publicly snub her at social events by straight up refusing to curtsy to her, which was simply unacceptable if you were the wife of the heir to the throne. It's one thing to have your husband's mistress paraded in front of you, but it's another thing if said mistress is openly rude to you. The same year that Rudolf and Mary started sleeping together, Rudolf and Franz Joseph went on a hunting trip together. And during this hunting trip, there was some sort of mishap, and in the process, Rudolf almost shot his father by accident. As far as all the sources write about this incident, it's pretty clear that it genuinely was an accident, and Rudolf was not trying to murder his father so that he could become the Emperor of Austria, but it was enough that he and Franz Joseph basically stopped speaking to each other after the winter of 1888. Which brings us to January 1889, and it's here that I suggest maybe pausing for the next few minutes if talk of suicide is triggering to you because, well, we're going to talk about suicide. On 
January 28, 1889, Rudolf and Mary, who by now was 17, went to Mayerling to relax and go hunting. While they were there, the two committed some sort of murder-suicide, the exact details of which were unclear at the time. What we know for sure is that on the morning of January 31st, Rudolph's manservant went to wake them up, but he didn't get an answer and he couldn't open the door to the bedroom where they were sleeping. So he went to find Rudolph's hunting partner and the two had to break in the door. Once they did, they found both Rudolph and Mary lying in the bedroom dead. Initially, the two thought that Rudolph and Mary had been poisoned with strychnine based on the fact that Rudolph was bleeding from the mouth. However, it quickly became clear that both Rudolph and Mary had died from gunshot wounds. Also, they found a note from Rudolph to his wife Stephanie that read, Dear Stephanie, you are free from my presence and plague. Be happy in your way. Be good for the poor little one who is the only thing left of me. Which suggests that... Yes, Rudolph had killed himself. However, the servant and the hunting partner could not let the public know that the heir to the throne had killed himself because that would cause way too much of a scandal. So the initial public statement was that Rudolph had died of a heart aneurysm that had caused some sort of pulmonary rupture. At first, nothing publicly was released about Mary Vestera, who instead was buried quietly at a nearby village cemetery in the middle of the night. The subsequent police investigation was closed down very quickly on the orders of Rudolph's father. Eventually, a public statement was released that said that Rudolph did shoot Mary and then shot himself in the head a few hours later. If suicide is triggering to you, I would suggest beginning to listen now. What actually happened at Mayerling is still unclear. The widely accepted story is that Rudolph shot Mary and then himself. However, in 2015, a collection of letters by Mary Vestera were found at a bank vault in Austria. And one of the letters included in this collection was one that she wrote at the very end of January 1889 to her mother that said, Dear Mother, please forgive me for what I've done. I could not resist love. In accordance with him, I want to be buried next to him in the cemetery of Alond. I am happier in death than life. Which complicated the traditional story that Rudolf shot Mary and suggested that maybe she killed herself in a double suicide. Another theory suggested that Rudolph attacked Mary, battered her with some blunt object, and then felt really guilty and killed himself. And then a third possible theory is that Rudolph and Mary had gone to Mayerling because Mary was pregnant, they had attempted to perform some sort of abortion on her, it had gone badly, she had died, and out of despair, Rudolph had killed himself. However, the Austrian royal family and government had always publicly said that it was a murder-suicide, even though that actually made Rudolf look really bad on account of him being Catholic and suicide being very much a no-no in the Catholic Church. Beyond the traditional murder-suicide or possible double-suicide story, the other main rumor is that 
an outsider had broken into Merling and had killed both Mary and Rudolph as part of a larger conspiracy. This rumor really gained traction because the gun that was found at the scene did not belong to Rudolph and six shots were fired from it, which according to people seemed like a lot of shots to be fired as part of a murder-suicide. This theory became especially popular in the late 1980s when the wife of Emperor Karl of Austria, who was the last emperor, really publicized it. She said that Rudolf and Mary were killed because he refused to be part of a fr because he refused to be part of a pro-French coup against Franz Joseph. However, despite the wife of the last emperor of Austria publicizing this theory, there's essentially no proof for it. But then, in 1992, Mary of body was stolen from its grave. In the recovery process, an examination was done on Mary's bones to ensure that they were in fact hers, and the bones were hers. During this recovery, the scientists found no evidence of a bullet hole in her head, which is weird if she had been shot in her head, and which led to speculation that maybe she and Rudolph were killed in some other way. So, how did Rudolph and Mary die? Personally, I do think that Rudolph killed himself. When it comes to Mary, I think it's more debatable. The, suit, the letter of hers that was found in 2015 does hint that she was in on the plan and did kill herself, but the fact that there was no bullet hole found in her skull in the 1992 exhumation does raise questions. However, there is a possibility that when she, like, if she did shoot herself, maybe it somehow, like, missed her skull and hit her somewhere else in her head and still killed her. I don't know. I'm obviously not a forensic scientist. I do think, though, the simplest solution is that it was a murder-suicide or a double suicide, and I'm always a fan of the simplest solution being the right answer, so I personally don't think it's some weird conspiracy theory covering up for a coup that Prince Rudolph knew about and refused to be a part of. Let's put that aside. What happened post the death being discovered? Well, because Rudolph had committed suicide, which was a major sin in the Catholic Church, he technically wasn't supposed to be given a church burial. However, because his father was the Emperor of Austria, Franz Joseph was able to get a special papal dispensation, which meant that Rudolph was able to be buried in the family crypt in Vienna. Dis despite this, Franz Joseph did refuse to give Rudolph a state funeral and did not invite other royal family members to attend the funeral. The only non-Austrian head of states who would attend would be Stephanie's parents. Despite his cold exterior about the funeral plans and generally cold reputation, Franz Joseph had a complete breakdown during the burial itself, which did show that he did love his son, even though the two did have a, fam did have a famously tempestuous relationship. Rudolf's death ended up being a huge issue for the Habsburgs. After all, 
Franz Joseph didn't have any other sons, and Rudolf didn't have any legitimate sons, which meant that that line of the family didn't have any more male heirs. The succession then moved to Franz Joseph's younger brother, Karl Ludwig. But Karl Ludwig ended up giving up his place in the succession to his son, Franz Ferdinand, whose name should sound very familiar, and not just because there's a fairly good rock band that shares a name with him. But Franz Ferdinand and what happened to him is, of course, a story for another study guide. But what happened to Stephanie and Elizabeth after Rudolf's death? After all, Rudolf was only 30 when he died, which meant Stephanie was only 25 and Elizabeth was still a baby. Well, Stephanie would end up getting remarried to a Hungarian count in 1900, which was a fairly controversial um, decision, but she and her second husband apparently were very happy together. They lived together until her death, whereas Elizabeth would end up being mostly raised by her grandfather, Franz Joseph, and would end up being very, very close to Franz Joseph until he died. So, that is Prince Rudolf of Austria and his pretty sad marriage and tragic short life. As always, for those fans of the study guides who prefer bullet points to a full-on lecture, let's recap his life. Prince Rudolf of Austria was born in 1858 in, well, Austria. He was the only son of Franz Joseph II of Austria and his wife, Elizabeth of Austria, which meant that he was next in line to the throne of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Despite this, Rudolf did not have the easiest childhood. There was a lot of drama in his infancy over who would get to choose his education, his grandmother, Sophie of Austria, or his mother, Cecy of Austria. Ultimately, his father stepped in and decided that Rudolf would be raised by a military tutor, Count Leopold. The only issue was, as it turned out, Count Leopold used, frankly, abusive methods on young Rudolf, which really scarred the young child. Finally, Cecy stepped in, removed Count Leopold as Rudolf's main tutor, and instead gave him two new tutors, Joseph Latour von Thurnberg and Ferdinand von Hochstetter, who shifted Rudolf's educational focus from just military matters to more academic matters and really allowed Rudolf's love of birds to blossom. Rudolf loved science and birds so much that when he was 20, he got to spend some time working with a leading Austrian scientist, studying bird life along the Danube River, and would even publish a book about the experience. As Rudolf started to grow, he got a reputation for being quite the playboy. He was so interested with the ladies, in fact, that he kept hitting on his aunt, Maria Theresa, who was his uncle's wife, which caused quite a bit of tension. Something that further caused tension among the family was the fact that Rudolf and his father, Franz Joseph, had very, very different political beliefs. Franz Joseph was a traditional conservative. He liked having his power. After all, he had gotten it 
During the revolutions of 1848, he had seen the danger of constitutional monarchies in the French and English mode of things, and he wasn't going to let Austria go in that direction. By contrast, Rudolf had been educated in a more French Enlightenment way of thinking. He wanted Austria to pursue church and government and military reforms in a more French model. So the two quickly started butting heads about this and pretty soon were at odds. In 1880, when Rudolf was 22, due to his playboy reputation and the fact that he was heir to the throne and needed heirs of his own, he ended up getting engaged and later on marrying Stephanie of Belgium. Stephanie was only 17 when they got married, which made Rudolf's mother, Cece, super anxious. After all, Cece knew firsthand what could happen when a princess got married too young. Initially, the marriage between Stephanie and Rudolf seemed to go pretty well. They shared a lot of mutual interests. They both enjoyed hunting, even though they weren't great at it, and loved chatting politics. However, Neither one was particularly attracted to the other. They did manage to squeeze out one kiddo, a daughter named Elizabeth, but then Rudolf gave Stephanie a venereal disease, she became infertile, and both began having affairs. In Rudolf's case, a lot of affairs. He may have had as many as 30 illegitimate heirs. By about 1877 or so, they were not sleeping together anymore. By 1888, Rudolf had met his final mistress, a young noblewoman named the Baroness Mary Vestera, who was considered to be amazingly beautiful. That same year, Rudolf and his father had their final falling out after a hunting accident where Rudolf almost shot his father by accident. In January 1889, Rudolf and Mary took a little trip to Rudolf's hunting lodge in the Austrian town of Meierling. On January 31st, Rudolf's manservant became concerned when the two didn't come down for breakfast. He broke down the door to the bedroom and found Mary and Rudolf lying on the ground dead. It's still unclear exactly how Rudolf and Mary died. Most people believe it was some sort of murder-suicide. Mary's exact role in it all is unclear. Some letters discovered by Mary in 2015 suggest that she was a willing participant in the joint deaths, although some people still think that Rudolph killed her in cold blood, although there are theories that an external group came in and killed both of them in an attempt to cover up a possible failed coup against Franz Joseph. Either way, on January 31st, 1889, Prince Rudolf of Austria was dead at the age of 30. With his death, Franz Joseph no longer had a direct heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire. The succession had to go to his younger brother, Karl Ludwig, who then gave it up to his son, Franz Ferdinand, which would cause some issues down the line. So, that is Prince Rudolf. Most of my information for this episode came from the unofficial royalty article on Prince Rudolf, the virtual Vienna article 
on the incident at Mayerling, the History Reader article on Prince Rudolph, and two really excellent books, The Twilight of Empire by Greg King and Penny Wilson, and The Twilight of the Habsburgs by Alan Parker. As always, for a full list of sources, as well as relevant images, you can visit the website sadgirlstudyguides.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email the podcast at sadgirlstudyguides at gmail.com. If you would like to financially support the podcast, you can do so by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sadgirlstudyguides. Patrons get access to a bunch of fun bonuses, including a bi-weekly tangent cast where we talk about a person, place, or a thing that didn't quite fit in to a full-length study guide. Our most recent one was about King Ludwig of Bavaria, a close friend of Cece of Austria who had a thing for castles. Other prizes that you get for being a patron include the ability to suggest study guide topics. Next week's episode, we'll be looking at a woman who had not one, but two terrible marriages, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Eleanor of Aquitaine is such an icon that a single episode can't do her justice. So we're going to do one episode on her first marriage to Louis VII of France and one episode on her second marriage to Henry II of France. So next week's episode is going to be about her marriage to Louis. As always, you can follow the podcast on social media. There is the Twitter, Sad Girl Study Pod, and the Instagram, Sad Girl Study. The best way to help the podcast grow is tell a friend or subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And please let us know how we're doing. Read a review or else we'll be sad. Thanks!